Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good morning, Harvest, and uh, thank you, Brett, for reading scripture for us. Um, as many of us know, Matthew 9, uh, verses, or sorry, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And if you've been regularly tuning in, uh, you've known that I previously spoke on the Lord's Prayer. I spoke specifically on the second clause of that prayer. Um, and so for this morning, I'd like us to continue on through the Lord's Prayer, and I'd like to uh, share from the third clause, which is, your will be done. You know, and this topic of praying for God's will is, is a very broad topic. I mean, there's many different things that we could talk about. And I just remember, like, in college, for me, the praying for God's will was, was this huge deal. Um, I just was almost, in a way, obsessed with uh, just trying to understand what God's will was for my life and just wanting to pray about it all the time. Uh, and specifically in the areas of uh, who my future wife would be and also just even trying to understand what my future career would be, uh, my lifelong career. Uh, and, and, you know, and speci- specifically even in that order. Um, but, but really, uh, that praying for God's will in that way um, is a valid topic, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about today. But if you do have questions about discerning what God's will is uh, for these critical life decisions, uh, definitely just reach out to me, whether text or email or a phone call, um, and then we can definitely talk about it. But for today, I'd like for us to focus on a different aspect of God's will and praying for it. I want to explore how do we pray for God's will when his will is different than our will. How do we pray for God's will when his will is different than our will? You know, and you can think of it this way too, that in a lot of ways, uh, what we want necessarily isn't always what God wants or vice versa. And this can mean different things for different people. For example, for some of us, I mean, we know that God wants us to maybe love somebody in our life, uh, you know, and, and this person may be hard to love. Maybe it's a family member, uh, maybe even a spouse, maybe even other people at harvest. And we feel that tug that God really wants us to love this person. And that's what God wants for us. That's his will. But we just find it so difficult to do that. And so how do we even pray uh, asking God to help us love this other person, even though we don't want to do it. And maybe for some other of us, we've been going through this really difficult time, uh, this season where we just feel very far from God, or just that um, we you know, don't really even, we, we've been disappointed maybe by the church or other people in our lives. And in this case, we feel this tug again that God wants us to spend time with him, to be with him. Uh, But for some reason, we just have this bitterness or maybe even just we can't get ourselves to go to him. And so in this case, we know that God's will for us is to come to him, to spend time with him. 
but for whatever reason, because of our circumstances, because of what we're going through, we don't want to do that. So how do we even begin to pray, even pray when we're in that situation? And then maybe, you know, lastly, even for others, maybe it's just we're so busy. Uh, maybe we have you know, young kids or kids in school now and they're at home and it's just noisy and there's just so many things going on. And we know that God's will, again, is for us to spend time with him, to, to really even make carve out time for him. But we're just so busy. And, and by the end of the day, all we want to do is just have a break. So we know what God's will is for us. We know what God wants for us. But all we want to do is just, you know, just at the end of the day, find a breather and reset for the next day. You know, and I think in all these cases, what we want really is different than what God wants. And before, you know, we feel guilty about this or that we think, oh, this is, again, this is like another sermon about how to live the Christian life better. Um, I just want to say that, you know, God understands what we're going through. And even more specifically, that the Bible actually has a very clear example of somebody else who is going, who has gone through this. And so um, I want for us this morning, I'm going to go through this example. Um, and, but before I, I do that, I want to set a little bit of context. And so this example is from Matthew uh, chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. And uh, again, before I read that for us, I want to you know, kind of set the stage a little bit to explain what, what, what's going on in this passage. And so this, this passage is really at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, this is the night before Jesus is arrested and before he uh, you know, eventually is uh, killed on the cross. And uh, this is specifically, the, he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is with his disciples, and he knows that very soon he is going to be betrayed and arrested. You know, and, you know, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, his disciples, you know, are, he, they, they thought that Jesus was amazing, that he did things that nobody else could, and that he was the promised Messiah. They really believed that. But Jesus, even earlier in the gospel, told them that he was going to be killed, that he was going to, um, you know, be taken by the religious authorities and executed. And they didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. And so, you know, at this moment in this passage, Jesus is experiencing this intense moment of, of just emotion as he faces that, that he knows what's coming, that he's going to be killed, arrested and be killed by the religious leaders. And his disciples, you know, they have no idea what's going on. So let me read that passage and keep that in mind, that, that Jesus here is just going through intense emotion. So again, this is Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. 
And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You know, as we go through this passage, and and the reason why I wanted us to think about this moment uh, where, from Jesus' perspective as this intense emotional moment is because uh, there's really, uh, I wanted to paint this picture of Jesus as from his human side of things. You know, I think for a lot of us, when we think about Jesus, we think about him as God and somebody to be worshipped, somebody who is perfect, right? And that's all true. But in this case, I feel like this passage is just a powerful picture of what Jesus, from his, his human side, what he went through. And uh, really just to kind of emphasize this, I think there's just a couple things I wanted to point out in this passage. You know, the first is that, you know, Jesus's emotional turmoil is extreme. You know, in, in verse 39, it talks about that he is overwhelmed with sorrow, you know, and, and he's even sorrowful even unto death. And so I, th- I think, you know, sometimes, you know, what we can think of it as that when Jesus is sad, you know, we just think, oh, okay, you know, that's, that's interesting, but, you know, we just kind of move on. But here even is the picture of he is so overwhelmed that he fell on his face and prayed. This is a picture of Jesus where he couldn't even keep standing. And I don't know if you've ever been that, that overwhelmed by your emotion of sadness or grief, but I could just picture, I, you know, I, I've been sad before, but not this intense. And I think Jesus, facing what he was going to face, just was overwhelmed by that emotion of sadness, of grief, that he couldn't stand anymore. And then what else I wanted to show, just point out, is that his disciples, you know, Jesus didn't want to be alone, right? He asked them to pray and, and watch with him. But his disciples, you know, being who they are at this moment in time, they, they couldn't do that. And they fell asleep, even as Jesus was in the, one of the darkest moments in his life. And so I think even through that, you could see that Jesus felt even more 
alone. And I think the worst thing that Jesus really faced at this, at this night as he was praying was that he was going to face not just being killed, but that he was going to face God's judgment. And even from a human standpoint, if we think about this, Jesus was going to be executed for a crime he didn't commit. Now, it's like, think about it, it's like being on death row, where you are on death row, and you're going to, you face your execution time the next day, but you know that you're innocent. I mean, there must be emotions of maybe bitterness or fear or just hopelessness, you know, and I think Jesus probably felt some of those things. But even more so, I feel like Jesus was faced with something even worse than that. He was faced with losing the closest person that he had in his life. You know, and the reason I say that is because for Jesus, the closest person that he had in his life was God, his father. And when he goes to that cross, when he faces the execution, he was going to face God's judgment. And for that period, even though it was temporary, he, his relationship with the closest person in his life was going to be severed. And I can't imagine what that's like. I might think about even for, for me and the closest person in my life is my wife, Faye. And I can't imagine losing her and, and knowing that I'm going to lose her. I can't imagine that kind of emotion. But this is what Jesus' emotional state was here in this passage. And so before I, I move on and, and we dig a little deeper on how Jesus prayed, I just wanted to pause and say that no matter what we're going through right now, and I, I, you know, I've talked to different people, I know that the situation with COVID and everything else, can, it's, things can be really, really difficult. And I just wanted to say that more than anyone, Jesus understands. He understands. And even from this passage, he faced something even maybe even more intense than some of what, what we faced. And I don't want to minimize what we're going through, but here Jesus was fa- facing God's wrath. And he knew that he was going to not only die, but face judgment. I can't imagine what that must feel like. But Jesus understands when we're going through dark moments. And I just wanted to say that for any of us who may be going through dark times. And so for the rest of this time, I want to go through um, just two observations in how Jesus prayed. Just two, two observations. So the first observation is that Jesus struggled in prayer. Jesus struggled in prayer. And so here in this uh, passage, we see that Jesus prayed three times. Um, even uh, these verses talk about that, like in verse 39 talks about he, that's the first time he prayed. And then I believe in verse 42, it talks about him um, praying a second time. Right, And then in verse um, 44, it talks about him praying a third time. And the reason why I wanted to point this out is that, you know, this kind of stands out because Jesus, more than any other person in human history, was close with God. 
I mean, he, he was the closest person that could ever be with God, right? Because, I mean, of course he is God, but, but just even in that relationship, right? So why would Jesus need to pray, pray three times about this? And I think it really points to the, there's a tension here when Jesus is praying. You know, he, at one, on one side, he feels that if it's possible, take this cup from me. He does, he personally doesn't want to have to go through what he's going to go through. He is really feeling that tension, again, from a human standpoint. But then he also acknowledges that it's God's will. What God wants from him is to go and uh, to, to go and be killed, right? And, and for, for the rest of humanity, in that sense, that God still loves him. And he knows that God still loves him. But what God wants from him is not what Jesus wants. And so I just wanted to point out that there is true tension here between what Jesus wants and what God has planned for him. But what else is interesting here is that also the repetition of three times shows that Jesus, he, you know, he was willing to stay in this tension. He was willing to keep trying to pray and trying to work through what he was feeling. And, I, and it makes me wonder why. why. Why would Jesus still be willing to work through this? I mean, you know, maybe for the rest of us, we could have thought, oh, well, you know, if I'm the son of God, maybe I'll use my authority to not go through this. Or for maybe some of us with the more avoidant attitudes, we'd be like, okay, I just don't want to even pray. I'm just, I'm just going to go here and pretend that, you know, things are fine or distract myself with something. But Jesus continues to go and struggle in prayer. And why? Why does he do that? And I think the reason why here is we can see even in his prayers is that because he trusted God, his Father. And we see that because every time he prays, at least with the prayers that were written out, was that he started with my Father. And just like he taught his disciples to pray, even as we read uh, um, the Lord's Prayer to as we heard the reading of the Lord's Prayer, like Jesus himself used his own prayer here in his darkest moment in his life. He started with my father. And really that was a, a statement of who he thought God was to him and the love and trust that he had in God, his father. And I think really the struggle in prayer when we face these moments where what we want isn't what God wants for us or what God maybe has planned for us. Is the struggle isn't necessarily in the prayer itself, but the struggle is really with what we believe about God. And the struggle is really how much do I trust that God is here with me in this dark moment, in the struggle? How much do we believe that God loves us? And I think it is through prayer and in that struggle that God will help show us more of his love for us and help build a deeper sense of trust in him. And so this, this kind of reminds me actually of um, Michael Jordan and his father. Um, and here is a picture of, of Michael Jordan and his father. This is a picture of when... Uh, Michael Jordan won his first championship 
And you know, you can see here, even as he's crying, that he is, um, you know, his dad is right there next to him. And you know, uh, Faye and I, we've been watching this uh, documentary series on Netflix called The Last Dance, and uh, it, it's it's been really good just to see the backstory of the Bulls um, in, in their last season, and it, it goes through even the other seasons too, and what each each individual player also has gone through and even their stories with their families. And one thing that really just actually stands out in this whole documentary, I mean, there's there's multiple things, but this one thing that really stood out to me was just Michael Jordan's relationship with his dad. And um, they were super close that uh, Jordan would always go to his dad as a friend and a confidant. And um, he just, he knew that his dad would be there uh, with him through all the ups and downs of the fame and uh, the winning and the losing um, just throughout his basketball career. And when uh, Michael Jordan's dad uh, passed away, uh, Jordan lost a lot of his motivation uh, to play basketball. I mean, I kind of heard about this, but just actually seeing uh, the details of that story and the emotion that's there, yeah, just you could see how close Jordan was to his dad. You know, and, you know, I think Jordan, without a doubt, knew that his dad loved him. And that helped really stabilize him uh, throughout his basketball career, at least when his dad was uh, still with him. And so I, I wanted to share that because that is a great picture of what it's like even with our Heavenly Father. I know that some of us might not have the greatest relationships with our dads, or maybe we've had a lot of even previous pain or brokenness with our relationship. But that still doesn't mean that our Heavenly Father doesn't love us. He does. And I know that uh, God wants us to know that. And God wants us to know that we can continue to grow uh, uh, in trust uh, with Him. And so I just wanted to share that picture because I feel for a lot of us, Again, the struggle necessarily isn't in the prayer itself, but it's in what do we really believe about God? And do we really trust Him? And do we really know that He loves us? So that was the first observation. The second observation I want to go through is that uh, Jesus' openness in prayer, His openness in prayer. And if you read closely, Jesus' first prayer in verse 39 is actually different than his second prayer in verse 42. And so let me read these again to show us the difference. So in verse 39, it says, My Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, it says, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. We could see uh, in the first prayer that... you know, Jesus is asking God if it's possible for this cup to pass from him, right? And, you know, I think that's a, just a, even an acknowledgement that, that he really didn't want to go there, as we kind of talked about before. But in the second prayer, what's really interesting is that he acknowledges that if not possible, you know, let your will be done. And so you can see there's this change, right? A change in how Jesus saw what was about to happen. And I, I think 
that's really actually astounding because if you think about it, Jesus is a perfect human. And when we think of something that's perfect, we don't think about something perfect changing. You know, when we think about the perfect ice cream that we, our favorite ice cream or our favorite meal, you know, we usually think of it as, as almost perfect. And would you change something about your favorite ice cream or your favorite meal? No, I don't think so. But in this case, what's so crazy is that Jesus, the perfect human, you know, needs to go to God, his father, and he needs God to help change how he feels about what's about to happen. You know, there's this progression here from his first and his second prayer. And so, you know, I, I, I want to ask us this morning, are we even open to change when we pray to God? Because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of time between Jesus' first prayer and second prayer, but I, th- I feel like Jesus was very open to what God wanted to say to him, what God wanted to um, help him even see or feel. But then for a lot of us, even for myself included, I think when we go to prayer, sometimes we are not really open to what God really wants to say to us. And, and you know, a lot of times I have my own requests. I have, you know, God, I want you to change my situation. Uh, there's a lot of things that we want God to do. But are we willing to hear what God wants to do in us? Are we willing to uh, embrace, to accept, to even submit to what God wants to do in our lives? And so, you know, I just wanted to really end um, this time with you this morning with just a a more personal note. Now, even as uh, we've been going through this prayer, I think it's been even helpful for me personally uh, thinking about one of the things that, that, you know, me and my wife, Faye, have been struggling with. Um, some of you know this, but, um, you know, and I have my wife's permission to share this, but Faye and I have been going uh, through two years of infertility. Um, and I, I share this not to kind of highlight that, that we're going through this, but I share this because I feel like I want for people to know that you know, this is something that we're currently going through, and this is something that we are struggling uh, in prayer uh, with. You know, it, I I can honestly tell you that I want uh, a natural-born child. This is one of the things that I, I really do want in my life. But you know, for whatever reason, God, you know, hasn't allowed that to happen. He hasn't provided that natural child, and. And I share this too because I know that for a lot of times we, when we share as, as believers, uh, sometimes we have like, you know, the happy ending in mind and we share that and that's how we neatly tie everything up. But that's the other reason I wanted to share this is because we're still going through it. Um, and it is difficult at times when I am praying and asking God, you know, what would you have me do in this case? And, and just the struggle uh, trying to hear what God's will is in this case. And so I just wanted to uh, share that because I still really believe that God, you know, loves me, that God, I, and I, I do trust God, but the, there's this reality of infertility that we're facing 
And it is, there is a lot of tension there. And it is a struggle. Uh, if I'm just, you know, wanting to be honest with you guys. But I, I would say this, that Jesus understands better than anybody else what we're going through. And that he is inviting us to journey with him as he's gone before us, to journey with him through this struggle in prayer and praying for God's will. And so as a fellow brother, I'd like to invite you guys on this journey with me. And I can't promise that you'll get what you want or that we'll get what we want, but I can promise that you'll encounter God in a whole new way. And by the end of this journey, I know that we all can truly say, with the core of our being, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we're going to have the praise team um, lead us with a closing song. And um, I'd like to just encourage us to spend uh, this time just even reflecting on what God may be saying to us. I know that maybe we have this struggle or tension in our life and maybe we are going through maybe some dark moments just like what Jesus did. And so just I encourage you guys to spend this time as the praise team leads us in, uh, in this song to just reflect and pray and what God may be saying. And after the song, I'll come back and close our time with a word of blessing. There will be times uh, when what we want isn't what God is doing. And I just, I may God grant us uh, trust even during these times. And may he strengthen us as we struggle to truly believe that he is our father and that he truly loves us. And may he grant us an openness to what he is doing in our lives. And I just ask that God would continue to finish what he started in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.